Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, reading from verse 22. The Bible says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so, Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. As we look at the Word, I just pray that this Word would bring life into our own lives. Father, I just pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak And to be able to receive your word today, Lord God. Release faith in our hearts, Lord God. Speak our word into our own hearts and lives as individuals, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series entitled, This We Believe. Uh, It's a series that is based on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, The word creed comes from the Latin word credo, which means belief or I believe and it defines what we believe as Christians what we believe about ourselves we've been saying over the last couple of weeks is so important what we believe has the capacity to influence how we think about ourselves how we feel and how we actually behave if I believe my life is useless if I believe my life is uh, just just going to be sad all my life if I believe that nothing is going to improve in my life then by and large that's what exactly is going to happen. What we believe is very uh, powerful in shaping what happens next for us. Instead, if we believe that God is going to minister, that God is going to change, that God is going to transform, it has the capacity to become a reality. Key verse for the series is Paul's words to Timothy, where he said, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and watch what you believe closely, persevering them, because if you do, they're going to save you. Um, and also your hearers. When our beliefs are lined up with the truth, they become powerful because they have the capacity to shape our lives and to influence our lives. Nowhere is this more true than our beliefs or understanding of God or who God actually is. Now, there are some things that must change in the church or the church will die. There are some things that must continuously change in the church or the church will die. Things like style and methods and programs, we must continue to change and adapt to the culture that we're living in or the church will become irrelevant. The last thing we want as a church is to be irrelevant, not be able to speak into the lives of the community or the society that we're living in. But on the other hand, there are some things that must never change or the church will die. And one of those things that must never change is our doctrines, it's our beliefs. The packaging may change. How we present the Word of God or the truths in the Word of God may change, but the doctrines themselves must never change. Or we as a church 
will die. And that's what this series is all about. It's about presenting the truths and the beliefs that we have uh, as a church, the, the, the foundation stones, the pillars of, uh, of the church of Jesus Christ. And so far, we've looked at two doctrines. We've looked at the doctrine of God. We said that God is full of grace and God is full of truth. And that theme is right throughout the scriptures. We also last week looked at the doctrine of Christ and we said we were reminded that there is power in the name of Jesus, that whosoever shall call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Not, so, not whosoever shall call on the name of a church or the name of a religion or the name of an individual, whosoever shall call on the name of Jesus shall be saved saved. Can I hear an amen? And today I want us to be reminded of one of the other key doctrines. I've kind of picked three of the main doctrines or pillars of the church. And the doctrine or is this, or our belief regarding the Word of God. For those that don't know, um, our church has a set of doctrines or a set of beliefs that you can actually download on our website. Go to our website and you'll find out what we believe um, as, as a church. And our doctrinal statement regarding the Bible says this, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It explains all that we need to know to receive salvation. The Bible is absolutely authoritative and teaches us what to believe and how to behave. We accept the Bible by faith. The Bible is complete as it stands and must not be added to, subtracted from or changed because of tradition or any supposed new revelation. In simple terms, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. We don't believe the Bible contains the Word of God. There is this push in our society today to kind of just say, well, the Bible contains the Word of God. And if that's the case, then we can start looking through the Bible and say, well, I like this verse. I don't really like this other verse. So we might actually, you know, use some liquid paper and take it out, you know, because we don't actually like it. No, we believe that from cover to cover, the Bible is the Word of God. Charles Swindle says this, news articles may inform us, novels may inspire us, poetry may enrapture us, but only the living, active Word of God can transform us. There's power in the Word of God to bring transformation in our hearts and lives. The Bible is the living Bible. It's not some dead book that sits on a shelf. Timothy Keller says this, the Christian faith requires belief in the Bible. If you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends you, if you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, you'll have a God of your own making and not a God with whom you can have a relationship. When it comes to the Bible, there are so many directions we could have taken this morning in terms of how we study the Bible and how we look at the Bible. We could have looked at why we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We could have looked at the internal evidence, external evidence. We could have looked at, you know, how the Bible transforms our hearts. We could also look at how the Bible came together. Why is it that these 66 books were chosen to be in the Bible? Why is it that these are what became part of the 
canon of the Bible, what we call that, and, and, and others were rejected. Well, there's a course that we do. It's Believe Part 2, which actually looks at uh, all of those things. We could have done an overview of the Bible, and we've run some intensives on that. But what I want to do today is give you four principles on how the Bible actually changes us. I want to speak about four principles that will help us understand how the Bible actually transforms us and changes us. I don't want to know just about a book that kind of sitting on a shelf. I want to understand how this book actually has some sort of influence on how I live my life, on how we live our lives. D.L. Moody, who was a famous pastor in Chicago a hundred years ago, said the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. And so I want to look at four principles out of the text that we read uh, in James that will, will help us understand how the Bible transforms our hearts. So let's look at that more closely. First principle is pretty basic. In fact, what I'm going to be teaching today isn't going to be new evidence. It's a reminder. And that's what this series is really all about. It's a reminder of what our key doctrines are, of what it is that we actually believe as followers of Jesus Christ and to, and, and, and to understand them in a greater way. First principle, as I said, is pretty simple. We must study the Word, read the Word and study the Word. Now, you know, some of you are going, wow, that's deep, Pastor Joe. You must have done a lot of study this week to come up with that. But, you know, this, this is a powerful principle because, you know, in our busy schedules today, we're spending less and less time in the Word of God. Notice what James says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, speaking about the Word of God, it says, but whoever looks intently into the Word of God. It's going to allow the Word to change us. The first thing that we need to do is actually look intently into the Word of God. Greek word there that is used is the same word when Peter looked into the tomb of Jesus Christ. On the Easter Sunday, Peter ran to the tomb. He saw that the stone was rolled away and he noticed the grave clothes neatly folded. Jesus wasn't there. The Bible says he looked intently into the tomb. What was Peter doing? What was he doing as he was looking into the tomb? Peter was trying to understand what was happening. Three days ago, they put Jesus into the tomb as a dead man and they'd sealed uh, the tomb with a rock in the front. Now it was open uh, and there were grave clothes there in the tomb, neatly folded. And, and, and Peter was looking at that and he was trying to understand what had happened. Where is Jesus? Why was the stone rolled away? You know, he was trying to figure it all out. This wasn't Peter just going to the tomb and saying, oh, well, the stone's been rolled away. Not a problem. It happens every day. It wasn't like that at all. Peter was, was looking intently into the tomb and trying to understand what was happening. And James uses that same word to describe how we should approach the Word of God, that we shouldn't approach the Word with a casual attitude, that we should look intently into the Word of God and seek to understand it. David said this, and I love the scriptures. Uh, uh, the psalmist David says, I've hidden your word in, um, in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a protective factor in the word of God. And David says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now the word hidden there is not just a casual approach to the word of God. It requires intentionality. It means that David went in and studied the word and he understood the word. He memorized the scripture. He, he, he made it his ambition to, to hide the word deep within his heart to, for the word to become part of his life. And so it protected him and protects us 
from sin. The question for all of us is, how much time do we give the word? How disciplined are we and how systematic are we in, in reading the word and studying the word? How, how often do we look at the scriptures and, and try and understand what is this scripture saying to me? Trying to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying. How intently do we look into the word? You know, the word of God is like a, it, it's like a mine. It's, it's like the more you dig, the more you find. It's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing scripture. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Bible. What I love about the Bible is that a person who has grade one or has no education, an illiterate person, can hear the Word of God or read the Word of God and understand exactly what it means. They don't have to go, well, you know, you've got to do three years of Hebrew and Greek and, and Latin and try and understand what this actually means. You can't understand it. You don't have an education. It's only those of us that have got university degrees that can understand the power. That's not true at all. A person who's completely literate can hear the Word of God and actually understand the power thereof. I remember there was a guy in our Italian congregation. He was, uh, he was completely illiterate, did, did, could not read and write and, and so on. But he had heard the Bible so many times that he, he, would, he would be able to quote scripture. He would be able to quote the word. So he'd go witnessing. He'd, he'd go talking to people about Jesus and he'd say to them, get the Bible out. And he'd say, turn to Romans chapter three, verse 23. And, and you know, and he'd get them. Now read what that actually says. And they would read the word. The, the, the word of God is powerful. It's powerful that a person who is simple in their faith can actually understand the word. And at the same time, it can also intrigue the, the person who's most intellectual is a PhD after PhD after PhD. They can, they can study the word and dive in and keep diving in and find new and glorious things. I'm just amazed at how, you know, you can read a passage of scripture and, and kind of just go, oh yeah, I know what that means. But as you begin to dig, as you begin to study, as you begin to think about it, as you begin to meditate on it, you know, you just find more layers, more and more layers of, of the depth of the scripture. That's the power of the word of God. James says, if we, wanna, if we want the, power, the word of God to transform us, the first thing that we need to do is look intently into the word of God. One of the things that we talk about when it comes to scripture, just as a, a kind of an acronym to help us study the word is, 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 the, word, is the acronym SOAP, S-O-A-P. It's, it's S is the scripture. So you look at a particular verse and, and then O, it's observation. You kind, of, you kind of just try and understand what is this scripture saying to me? Um, S-O-A is about application. Well, it's not just about understanding. It's about how does this apply to me? And then P is about prayer. And it's a simple acronym, but as you, as you begin to, 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 to look at Scripture that way, it, it actually starts to come alive in our hearts and lives. How intently do we look into the Word? The problem is, in our fast-paced society, we don't have the time to do that. Albert Mohila said this, while evangelical Christians are rightly concerned about the secular worldview's rejection of biblical Christianity, we ought to give some urgent attention to a problem much closer to home. Biblical illiteracy in the church. This scandalous problem is our own and it's up to us to fix it. 
Researchers uh, George Gallup and Jim Costelli put the problem squarely. Americans, but it applies to the Western world, revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. There's a real danger that this Bible shifts from being the Holy Bible to just being another book on our shelves. Oh, we've got our, we don't even have an encyclopedia set anymore. How many people remember Encyclopedia Britannica? You know, it was everybody had encyclopedia. If you had Britannica, you were, you were there, you know. And, 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 but now we don't need any of that. It's, it's gone. But, you know, uh, uh, the danger is that the Bible just becomes another book. It becomes another textbook that we read like that. And I pray that it would never do that because the Bible is the word of God. God said this to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Here's the key to prosperity and success. It's given to Joshua. God wants us to be prosperous and successful. What is the key? Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Think about it, talk about it, uh, uh, um, uh, study the word, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Again, Psalm chapter one, verse one. These are, these are kind of staple scriptures that talk about the power of the word. Blessed is the one. In other words, happy is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. It's a great scripture. It's a powerful scripture. It's, it's, it's one of those verses where you can kind of dive in just a little bit. Blessed is the one, happy is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked. You need to be careful who you walk with because whoever you walk with, pretty soon you'll begin to, to stand with them. And standing is not just speaking about a physical position, it's speaking a position of the heart. Whoever you walk with, whoever you connect yourself with, pretty soon you're going to be standing with them. That's why the Bible says, be careful who you spend time with because bad company corrupts good character. Choose your friends wisely because you become like the people that you spend time with. Good, bad company corrupts good character. Good company actually brings great character in our lives. Uh, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the company of mockers. Whoever you walk with, pretty soon you're going to be standing with them and then you're going to actually sit with them. You're actually going to be able to sit, speaks about a, a more intimate relationship with, with those kind of people. You become like the people you spend time with. And, 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 and the psalmist here is saying, be careful with that. Blessed is the person who doesn't do that, but instead delights in the word of the Lord. And on that word, they meditate day and night. Now, meditation there is not, um, you know, it's not that kind of meditation. It's not, it's not the kind of meditation where, you, you know, you kind of just pick a phrase and kind of repeat it a thousand times. Well, it can be a phrase from the scripture. You can repeat it a thousand times. It's a fantastic thing to do. But, it, but it's, it's not using, it's not like shutting your brain off. It's turning your brain on. Meditation is about chewing over. Meditation is about thinking about and, and, and understanding the Word of God. It's meditating on. It's thinking about. How much thinking do we waste in a day? <laughs> how, how much time do we spend thinking about absolute garbage? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my own life. 
What, 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 a change, what a change our lives would be if we started to, instead of, instead of meditating on the wrong things, start thinking about the right things. Do you know what worry and anxiety actually is? It's actually meditating on the wrong thing. I'm thinking about believing in whatever it is that I'm worried about. Instead of worrying about the wrong thing or meditating on what, what, what bad thing might happen in my life, how about meditating on the Word of God, on the truth of the Word of God? As we meditate on the Word of God, something begins to shift in our hearts. Now, when I was in Bible college in my teens, 18, 19, whatever it was, I, I, I used to carry a scripture in my pocket every single day, trying to discipline my mind, you know, to, to actually memorize scripture. I had a little book where I wrote, I still got the book, where I wrote down every scripture. Every couple of weeks, I'd try and memorize a, 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 a scripture so that, I, you know, I thought, how much of the Bible can I can I memorize, you know? I think I got to three verses, something like that. I think it's about as far as I got, you know? Um, but I, I was trying to train my mind. Now, forget it. I mean, I'm in my 50s now. I can't memorize it. I can't even remember what I did this morning, let alone what I did yesterday. But, but it's a great discipline to have. It's you know, the Bible says, uh, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? I tell you how. One of the ways is by meditating the Scriptures. And thinking about the scripture, we don't study the word uh, like a textbook. We, 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 we study the word, we study the word because we believe it can actually influence our hearts and lives. And that brings us to the second point. Second thing we learn from the text from James is that we study the word because it speaks to us. James says, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. James is saying the word of God is like a mirror. In other words, as we study the word, as we read the word, it begins to, it begins to speak back to us. It begins to reveal truth. It begins to come alive in our hearts. We think we're reading the word but as we read the Word, the Word starts to read us. The Word begins to speak right back to us. You know, so many people say, you know, Pastor Joe, I wish I could get a Word from God. You know, God is always speaking to spiritual people like you, but He's never speaking to me. You know, and, and, and you know, God speaks to us in, a, in many, many ways. I may do a sermon on that in the next month. But, but um, God speaks to us in so many ways. And sometimes it's through an impression or it's a thought. But, you know, you never really know. Is that my thought or God's thought? You know, there's always a testing process where we need to sift through those thoughts and kind of learn to hear the Word of God and learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I can tell you one way, unquestionably, we can hear the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? When you read the Word, you don't have to think, well, is that really God or not really God? You know, the Bible is the Word of God. And as we read it, as we read it with faith, it comes alive and begins to speak to us. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What a great scripture that is. God's word is divinely breathed. It has the breath of God. We don't just call it the Holy Bible because it's a good name for a book. It's the Holy Bible because it is God-breathed. It has power. And it has the breath of God. 
and and it has the capacity to teach us. And and I, I don't like the rebuking and correcting. Can I? Can I? Can I just? Can I? Any friends in the congregation today? I don't like the rebuking and correcting. We're going to skip over that bit. I'm going to liquid paper those out out of my Bible. And, and it says to train us. It encourages us. It equips us. So. Th- so that we can do every good work. It's the power of the Word of God. This is a powerful book. This isn't just some other book. Now, you can read it like a textbook, but if you begin to open up your heart as you open the Scriptures and begin to open up your heart to it, God begins to speak. It's like a mirror that shows us exactly what we look like. Psalm 119 says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Your Word is, it's not speaking about lights here. It's speaking about, it's speaking about the fact that the, the, the Word of God can guide us when we're in the dark, when we don't know what to do or where, where we can go, what we need to do next. The Bible becomes a light for our path. The Word of God comforts us. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, Psalm 119, 52, and I find comfort in them. As I read the word, it can comfort us as we grieve and as we go through difficult times. Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. I love that because when it speaks about the soul, it's speaking about the mind and the emotions and and the word of God has the, has the capacity to minister to us at our deepest level, our mind and our emotions. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the spirit the simple, the Word of God refreshes us. It makes us smart. You're kind of thinking, I'm not very smart. One of the greatest things that you could do is study the Word of God and you will become smart. It makes, it makes the wise, it makes, it makes wise people out of simple people. Hebrews says, for the Word of God is alive and active. I love this, uh, this, this, this translation. It's alive and active. It's the living Word of God. It's alive and active. It's, it's not some dead book that was written thousands of years ago that has nothing to say to how I should live my life today. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, which is very difficult to do. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I just love, I love the Word of God. I just love the way God speaks to us. So often we're going through different situations and we're not sure exactly what we should do. And, and as we go to the Word and begin to pray, say, Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you just allow this Word to speak to us? God begins to speak to us through the Word and, and, and He's able to, to, to speak to us at the deepest level of our hearts. God's Word is a living Word. Can I hear an amen? amen. And as we read the Word and as we allow the Word to speak to us, it comes alive. It's powerful. It guides us. It protects us. It's able to expose our innermost thoughts and attitudes. It's like the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us personally through the Word of God. God's Word to us is one thing. God's Word to you is something completely different. It's like a mirror. When you look at a mirror, hopefully you'll see you know, a reflection of your own face. You know, <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, if it's a good mirror, that's what you'll see. Um, it becomes like a mirror that, that shows us who we are. That shows us who we are. That shows us who we really are. Because so often we think we're at a certain place. Because uh, So often we think we're at, we're at a particular place in our walk with God. But as we begin to read the Word of God, it shows us who we really are. And God shows us not because He wants to put us down. 
It's not because he, he, he wants to, he wants to, he, you know, he wants to squash us. He wants to expose the, the, you know, all of our, all of our failures and whatever. No, it's not that. It's so that we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. It counsels us on a personal level. It counsels us in the deepest parts of our spirit. And you can see a counsellor and there are some good counsellors out there that are able to kind of dig deep. I believe in all of that. God can speak to us through counsellors and so on. But if we open ourselves up to the Word, if we open ourselves up to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit can speak to us. There are two words in the Greek language. If you've been in church long enough, you kind of know this, but you know, there might be some people that don't. There are two, two words in the Greek language that speak about the Word of God. It's the logos and the rhema. The logos is the general Word of God. It's the Word of God that applies to everyone. We read it and, and you know, it's, it's Scripture that applies to everyone. But occasionally, as you're reading the logos, as you're reading the general Word of God, suddenly one of the Scriptures comes alive to you. It's as if that scripture has been written there just for you. That's called a rhema. Sometimes you're going through situations. It's happened to me many, 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 many times. It's happened to me many, many times where I'm reading the word and I'm going through a situation in my life. I don't know what to do, A or B, left or right. Is this your will or not your will? As I begin to read the word of God, it's as if there's a word in there that is specifically for you and for your situation. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I remember uh, some time ago, I was just going through a, a difficult period and, and you know, um, and I was reading through Jeremiah. I'm always in Jeremiah. I've got to get out of Jeremiah. I've got to get into something a bit more interesting. I was in Jeremiah and there's a scripture that says, there is hope for you, says the Lord. And I, 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 I was going through a time where I didn't feel like there was any hope. As I was looking at the stuff that I was going through and the situations that I, I didn't feel like there was any hope. So I just opened up my scriptures like I do every single day, read a chapter in the morning, read a chapter at night. As, 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 you know, Lord, speak to me through your word. As I'm reading through that word on that particular, there is hope for you, says the Lord. And suddenly that's, I said, how can this be in Jeremiah? Jeremiah is the tough, tough, tough book of the Bible to read. But there it is. There is hope for you, says the Lord. And that's a word for some of you here today. So if we want to experience change, the first thing we need to do is look intently into the Word. And secondly, allow the Word of God to speak to you. Believe that His Word can actually speak to us. And then that leads us to the third thing. We need to obey the Word. Notice what James says. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, continues in it and does it, they will be blessed if they do. Transformation happens when we obey the Word. It's not just hearing the word. It's not just knowing the word. It's actually obedience. It's obeying the word. And when we put it into practice, then something begins to happen in our lives. Here's the danger for all of us. Because we think we've read the word, because we've listened to the word, we think we're obeying the word. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. There's a real deception that comes, that can come in our lives where we think, I know the word, I've heard the word. I was in church on Sunday. I heard what Pastor Joe, then, that we think that because we heard it, we're doing it. It's only in the doing that transformation actually takes place in life. One time Jesus said there were two men who built homes, one built on a rock, one built on sand. And the winds and the storms and the floods came and they beat against the houses. You know, it's the three little pig story. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Christian version. It's a biblical version, all right? The one that built on sand collapsed. The one that built on the rock endured. 
Now, what is Jesus speaking about here? Was he speaking about building houses? Get your, you know, get your foundations, go and see an architect. What are you doing? Engineer. Was that, was that what Jesus is speaking about? He's speaking about houses. He's not speaking about a house. He's speaking about our lives. And he's saying, you build on the right foundation. Your, 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 your life is going to stand whenever you face the storms of life. So what does it mean to build on the right foundation? Well, after saying this, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house on the rock. How do you build on the rock? You build your life on the principles of God's word. You, you, you study the word intently and you build your house on the word of God. Now, Jesus wasn't saying if you build on his word, you're not going to have any problems. Some of you may be in a storm right now and you're saying, I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm confessing. I'm doing everything you said, but the storm is not going away. God's word is not a formula that enables us to avoid the storms. God's word is an anchor a compass that helps us navigate through the storms of life. Hebrews says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And the enemy is going to come and throw all kinds of things at us, you know, all kinds of storms and floods and winds. And he's going to say, this storm is going to defeat you. You're never going to be healed. There's no hope for you. You're going to drown. There's no hope for you. You might as well just give up and die. This is your lot in life. What helps us in those times where our thoughts are overwhelming us is God's word. We take a hold of the word of God and we begin to, to, to confess it and declare it over our lives. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we begin to repeat those kinds of, we are in God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God, but you're a nothing, Joe. You're a nothing. You're never going to, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good. <laughs> and we meditate on it and we repeat it and we repeat it until our brain starts to understand there's power in the word of God. Pastor Joe, that's just brainwashing. That's all that is. You're just washing your brain. Well, I don't know about your brain, but my brain needs a bit of washing. Can I hear an amen in the name of Jesus? The enemy wants to pollute our brain. The world we're living in, the media wants to pollute our brains. Every, every time we, we watch a movie, it's, there's a message that's coming on, trying to change the way we think. We need to be intentional about protecting our beliefs. And what we think, because what we believe is powerful. It affects how we think. It affects how we feel. It affects how we behave. It, it affects the words that we speak. One of, the, one of the, you know, some of you may know, one of the great therapies in psychology right now, it's called CBT, Cognitive Behavior Therapy. It's based on the fact where, where, you're, where, where what, the, what the, a good psychologist does anyway, uh, they actually try to dig in to find out what your beliefs are because your beliefs are powerful, your cognitions. What are they? Because they affect how you think, they affect how you feel, they affect how you behave. Change the belief and you'll change how you live your life. How do we change our beliefs? The word of God tells us. We, 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 we demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We make it obedient to the truth. We make it obedient to the word of God. This leads us to the fourth principle. The result is we experience blessing and freedom. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Blessed is the word happy, joyous. It's God's word 
brings freedom in our lives. Again, back to Psalm 1, it says that person is like the person who delights in the word of the Lord. You know, you always do the things you delight in. And that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Psalm 19, speaking of the word, says, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. There is great reward. I was speaking to someone over the last few weeks, and they go, oh, I'm praying about what God wants me to do in relation to a particular situation. I said, you don't need to pray about that situation because the Bible's already spoken. <laughs> there are things you pray about, but there are things you don't need to pray about because the word has already spoken. I don't think, gee, should I lie today or not? Let me think, let me pray. Oh, Father, what do you think about this lie? Lord, shall I steal today, Lord? Only if it's your will. Give me a sign. Read the word. <laughs> the Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to please the sinful nature, from that nature you will reap destruction. But if you sow to please the spirit, from the spirit you shall reap eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. So with the hour that I've got left, let me give you eight things <laughs> that you need to do. How does God's word bring freedom in our lives? You're just going to have to write really, really fast. The word of God can save us. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Word of God sets us free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth of God's word that sets us free. So many people are bound by the lies of the enemy. It's his truth that sets us free. The word of God renews our mind. Paul said to the Ephesians, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. It's the word of God that cleanses the dirt and the junk in our minds. It's power in the word of God as we read it. The word of God shows us how to live. The word of God teaches us principles in every area of life on marriage, friendship, money, responsibilities to the poor, and so on and so on. And so on. The, the Bible has something to say about how to bring up our children. How to, how, to, how, to, how to be a great employee, how to be citizens in our nation. It has so much to say to us. The word of God helps us defeat the enemy. This is really important. When the enemy came against Jesus and sought to tempt him, Jesus said, Jesus said, it is written. It is written. The Bible says in Ephesians that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's a sword. That, it's not a physical sword, but it's like a sword that when the enemy comes against us, we, have, we can use the word of God like a sword and come again. It is written. And the enemy will use the Bible to come against us. That's why we need to, be, we need to know what the, that's why we need to study intently the word of God so that we can know what the word of God says. The word of God releases faith. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of God. When Jesus told Simon to throw the nets on the other side, Simon said to Jesus, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And they threw the nets and they caught an amazing number of fish. You guys that go fishing, don't waste your time. Pray, get a word from God and maybe you'll catch something for a change. The word of God helps us to grow. Now I commit you to God, said Paul to the Ephesian church, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are. There's an inheritance attached to the word of God. 
Did you know that in Australia, over $17 billion, uh, there's over $17 billion in unclaimed super in Australia. Over 17, that's a lot of money. Some of you are going to go and check that when you go home today. Money that rightfully belongs to us, but, but it's, it's, it's there, but it's not tapped because people don't know. So many of us Christians have unclaimed power, unclaimed promises, unclaimed blessings, because we are ignorant of the word of God. The word of God illuminates our mind. The commands of our Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. They help you to see. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Sometimes when we're in the dark, what we need is a light. The word of God becomes a light that shows us what to do next in the name of Jesus. What is it that we believe as a church? We believe the Bible is the word of God. And it has the power to change and transform our hearts. Uh, one of the guys to, to, um, to land there in Gallipoli, his name was Alvis Jenkins. Jenkins grew up in Victoria where he gave his life to Christ. He was a Christian. He volunteered to go into the military. He spent some time in Egypt where he picked up a pocket Bible. He had the Bible in, in his pocket. And uh, in one of the battles on the 7th of May, uh, he was involved um, in this battle where uh, someone fired a bullet towards him and... Um, it struck the Bible. <laughs> and because it hit the Bible, he actually survived that particular, particular battle. The, 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 um, the bullet actually shattered within the context of the Bible. The Bible saved him. Let me put it that way. It literally saved his life. But more than save us physically, because you can try and use it as a shield if you want to, but more than save us physically, the Bible can save us emotionally and spiritually. Remember the word salvation means more than just saved for eternity. It can save us, but it can also heal us, deliver us, bring freedom. I don't know what your need is today, but I want you to know that there is power in the Word of God. I pray that we would always understand the power of the Word of God. That this book would never just become a textbook that we pick up every now and then that we would understand the power of this word, that as we approach it with faith, it has the capacity to transform us and change us. The word of God, the living word of God has the capacity to change and transform us. That's why we need to look intently into the word, allow it to speak to us, obey it. And as we do, we will experience freedom and the grace of God. Will you stand with me? As always, great question to ask after the sermon is, uh, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Well, what's the take home for you? There's a whole bunch of people here today. There's a take home here for all of us. It's different. What sort of is a take home for us? I pray that we would, we, above all else, we would never under, underestimate how powerful God's word would be. And more than anything else, not just understand that, but actually read the word and study the Word. I pray that in this coming week, that if we don't have a Bible reading plan, I pray that you would get one. One of the things I've, I've done many times, every day, just read a couple of chapters before I pick up the Bible, I just pray a simple prayer. Lord, would you speak to me through your Word? 
We've got time for everything. How about making some time for the Word of God? As you open up your heart, I believe God can speak to you. He doesn't just speak to some people. He speaks to all of us. I pray that you would experience that in your own life, in Jesus' name. Whatever challenge you're going through, why not begin to read the Word of God and see what God says for your situation. Father, I just thank you for your Word. Thank you that your Word is living and active. I thank you that your Word has the breath of God and it's able to transform our lives. We don't want to just become people that have knowledge of God. We pray as we read your word, as we understand that word intellectually, look God, that it would become a revelation in our hearts that would become, that would lead to transformation. Let that be the case, I pray in Jesus' name. I, th- I pray that this church will always be a word-based church. I pray, Father, that we'll never deviate from the Word of God. I pray that everything that we speak, everything that we'll say will be based on the Word of God. That again and again we'll come back, look God, and begin to say, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say in relation to this? Let that be true of this church. Let let that be true of every marriage, every family, look God. Let that be true for every individual in this church, look God. And I thank you for the blessing and the freedom that we can experience through the transforming power of your word of God. Be glorified, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As always, I'll be here at the front. If anybody would like prayer, more than happy to pray with you. For the rest, God bless you. uh, And have a great week in Jesus' name.